factors that affect your relationship with God, identity. Some of us think we are second-class citizens. We are second-class Christians. Some of us think we are, we are inferior to some other Christians because we don't do enough. We don't pray enough. No. I want to repeat this. Your actions, what, what you do enough of or you don't do enough of, does not change God's stand with you. So most of the time, we look upon ourselves, our actions, and we think our action can change God's position, uh, uh, change our position with God from his perspective. No, not, there's nothing you can do enough or less that will make God to change his perspective of you. It will never happen. The perception will always change from our end, not from his end. And that's why we have the Bible in our hands to see that God's position will never change and it can never be altered. Amen. So some people, they look at, see themselves as a slave. You know, all of that kind of identity. Sometimes some people think they are not, you know, they are not gifted in something. So they think that they are not good enough. Okay, I'm going to jump ahead of myself because of time. Friends. The Bible tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 Corinthians 12 that each and every one of us have been given special and unique abilities to play a particular part in the body of Christ. So your special abilities may not look like mine. You may not be as vocal as mine. But the body of Christ will be dysfunctional except you play your part. So you need to find that part that God wants you to play. Just can be behind the scenes. So let's do a test quickly. Um, let's look at this projector. Does it look like he's doing any work? If we're going to say something about this projector at all, what would you focus on? What would you say? I mean, tell me, tell me, tell me something about the projector. It's projecting. It's curved, right? It's got buttons. It's white. It got, it's got cable connected to it. Can you see the current that is flowing through it to make it project? Without that current, will it function? So imagine the current says, you know what? Because all of the guys in that room cannot see me because they don't admire me, I'm not going to work. Is everything going to work? Now, right here towards my right-hand side, there's a lot of heat coming now. So there's a fan blowing on the inside to ensure it doesn't overheat. You can't see the fan. If that fan stops working, it overheats, it breaks down. You guys smell some stuff, and then the fire alarm comes up and says, guys, get out of this place. There's so many things working inside of it that you cannot see. Each one playing its own part so that we can see that screen. And most of the guys that are doing the most of the work, you can't see them, but you can see the output one of them only needs to say, I'm not working. And you realize how important and valuable it is. So your part in the body of Christ in the church is not insignificant. Regardless, even if you, what you do in the church is to clean the toilet, it's not insignificant. It is highly significant. Some people get saved in the toilet because the toilet is clean enough for people to have conversation. Do you know how many people got saved in the toilet and not in the church auditorium? So for you making that toilet clean, you don't know how many lives you saved there because some people found it comfortable for them to talk and open up and cry. Amen. I can go on and on from car parking cars and everything, you know, hushing, getting people in. 
or just supplying the church with stationaries on time. On time. Because someone did not deliver a work that they were supposed to do for me on time, it cost me two nights sleeping at 3 a.m. And I was under pressure to get all of these slides up. You know, I was still working on them as of this morning because I lost three days of work last week. Because someone did not play their part. They were taking me and taking these things for granted. There's so, I mean, there's so much I, I, I prepared and packed for you guys in terms of things to make this, to really reinforce your identity in Christ Jesus. But people were not responding. They were thinking their part, it doesn't play a part. They were thinking it was insignificant. It matters. Even if you're a graphic designer and all you do for the church is to help post flyers. Some of you guys saw this on Eventbrite, isn't it? So Sarah, when you saw, when you saw this event on Eventbrite, what was the first thing that stood out to you? The poster. Now, I got someone to design the poster. I spent about additional three hours on that poster myself using Photoshop to redesign it. Because I said, you know what? Because I was thinking about the person who will find it and they got to get the attention. They got to be able to see it and read it. That poster, that was meant to come, was meant to take about the, um, one week. It took us nearly three weeks to get it ready. Back and forth with the people. Like, guys, are you joking? Like, guys, you got to get me. I'm running kind of stuff. So if they have not done the job, probably you may not have paid attention kind of thing. And if my wife and I had not taken time to document the detail, what the outcome, what should expect, probably not have you here today. What you do matters. I could have, there are people who are more gifted in communicating those messages to people than me. And I could have given that to them for them to do it. They may think, no, it just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But it matters what every, the parts each and every one of us plays in the body of Christ matters. Amen. So, um, that's about gifting. Let's move on. Religion, following set of rules to be acceptable to God. Oh, Jesus Christ, how do I do this in two minutes? So, religion, okay, I led a, young, a lady to Christ not too long ago, and one of the first things I made her understand is that Christianity is not a religion. And she was like, I don't understand. And I explained to her. So, religion is trying to reach God with a set of rules. So Christianity is not a religion because we are not following rules. We are called into a relationship. What we do in a Christian faith is having a relationship with the Father. It's a father-child relationship. Right? And I'll say to you, not every people, not every people who look holy and sanctimonious out there are actually engaging with the Father. Or know God as your father. So no one should judge you or you should not judge yourself because you're not praying long enough. What is most important is, are you in good communicado? That's the Nigerian language. Are you in good communication with the father? Do you know God is your father? Okay, let, let, let's break it down. What is prayer? Some people say they're not praying enough. Prayer is talking to your father, talking to God. You can't be talking to God on your bed for two hours. Serious conversations. That's a prayer. And when you come out, you're refreshed. You're, you're thinking clearer, more, more clearer. Prayer is communicating to God, with God. There's more to prayer than that because we have some weird forces in this world that we need to learn to stand our ground against them. That's another day. But fundamentally, now let me tell you something. Me tell you something. Guys who are religious will pray for three hours and they are one of the most nasty people on earth. Mean like a snake. 
Many Christians call themselves prayer warriors, but you don't even want to have dinner with them. Amen. So I would rather a person who have a genuine heart-to-heart conversation with God than someone who can pray three hours. Drama time. Oh God, arise and let the enemies be scattered. Every enemy of my father has to summon out and die. What's that about? I've seen people go into five hours prayer and they did not make any scriptural sense in the prayers. There are some people I can't invite to my house because when they start praying, I will not be able to sleep. So I will not invite them or give them a terms and condition. When you come to my house, you pray quietly in your room. If I should hear your voice in my bedroom, you are out. <laughs> because I got to sleep, I got to go to work the following day. You've not seen prayer. Prayers that people will be punching the wall. Ah, father, father. If I hear, I've not done that. They told me I've seen, and I was in the house. I was. If you only come to my house on one condition, you pray quietly like a normal, like a normal Christian, like a corrected Christian in your room. If I should hear your voice in my room, I'll call Hoover for you. It's Airbnb tonight. There's one person I've not allowed, I've not invited to my house on purpose, and one of them is that prayer. So don't don't feel bad if you think you are not praying long enough. It is in focusing on that relationship with the Father, speaking to the Father, you realize you spend more time in prayer. So the Christian life is not something you can achieve with human effort. You live it out by faith, you grow in it. Amen. So religion is about your terms, how you think, the rules and regulations, what you need to do to reach God. That's religion, but Christianity is not that. Amen. Let's move fast a little bit. False prophets. Hmm. Jesus Lord. You hear things like, hmm. There, there, one, one, one silly guy was visiting my, my family in Nigeria back long ago. And I was not this serious Christian. He, he looked more serious than me. So my half-brother is autistic. So he came visiting, and the first thing he said, he said, he said to, it was my sister's uh, fiancé, in a sense, back then. He said, hmm, mm-hmm. there's a sin that your mother and this boy's father have committed. That's why this boy is autistic. Even though I was not a very serious Christian, everything in me disagreed. So the picture he painted was that, you know, this is kind of a, there's a sin they need to confess for God to forgive them for this boy to be well. And that would take people into all kind of bondage as if God is angry with them, God is punishing them. But it's a lie. If God would not punish you with sickness and diseases while you were a sinner, why will he do that now that you are saved and a child of God? It makes no sense. So religion will tell you a false prophet. What false prophets? I'm talking about false teachers. You know, false Christians who do not know the word of God. They will tell you all manner of nonsense about who you are and what God thinks of you. Question, friends. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to ask questions. Don't don't allow any pastor, any man of God or Christian to to make you to intimidate you. Don't allow it. Intimidation does not is not permitted in the body of Christ. Even Jesus did not intimidate you. So why should the pastor intimidate you? You should be able to walk up to me freely and ask me questions. If there are pastors you are not permitted to speak to because they are too holy, they are too righteous, something is not right with them. 
Amen. So false brethren, false, false preachers, they will tell you all manner of nonsense about what God thinks of you. So talking about challenging them, challenging, I, I, want, I want to encourage you to kind of help you a little bit. So when they tell you that God is angry with you, ask him, when did he tell you that? No, simple. When did he tell you? What did he tell you that I did? You didn't ask them again. He said, okay, so he's angry. So what, why did Jesus come to the world? You know, he said, you know, if you don't mind, I would like us to have a conversation meeting. If you have access to God's diary, let's have a Zoom meeting with God, with Jesus, yourself, and myself. And let God tell me to my face that he's angry at me. No, that tells that person that you are an intelligent Christian. So God, God could not tell me himself that he's angry with me. So he came to tell you to come and tell me. When he leaves, so, so he, leaves, he left me, because God leaves me in the person of the Holy Ghost. So he left me to come and tell you in London that I, in Milton Keynes, I offended him. Well, as telling me that if my brother should offend me, I should go and speak to them first. So, we, so church discipline. If someone offends you, the first thing you do is to call the person and try to settle it with them. And if they will not, you know, admit or reconcile, then you get, get somebody else who is more mature to mediate between you two people. Now, so a false prophet comes and says, you know what? There's something your father have done or something you've long done, so God is hungry at you. So the thing is, is so which means God is also breaking his own law, his, his own standard, he's compromising he does not have integrity. That's simply what they're saying because he went to report me to somebody else instead of coming to sit down with me and say, Tunde, this is what we need to settle. So when you have those kind of conversations with people or you're asking those questions, they know you are intelligent. And that's how you can sh- silence the devil. Amen. So the world have all manner of thoughts about who God is and they would want to tell you whether God is happy with you there's so much into this, but I will not be able to dig into all of that because of our time. And sometimes we are so focused, self-centeredness, we're so focused on ourselves, focused on our weaknesses, focused on our flaws, and we use that to judge God's character or judge God's love for us. Okay. Um, who is married here? Okay, um, okay, now, let me use Pastor Dayo and his wife for example. Um, Nikki, let's look at this. So, because Dayo is looking, he's not smiling in the morning, you then decide to say, you then think in your mind that he no longer loves you. How does that sound? Because he's not, because, because he was just not smiling in the morning. You just said, no, no, sorry, sorry, that's, that's not the way I want to put it. So, imagine that you are not happy, you're not feeling too excited in the morning. You, personally, you are not feeling excited. You now said, the reason why you're not feeling excited is because Dio does no longer love you. No, I mean, how does that sound? You, you, know, you are the one not feeling excited. You didn't have any issue with him, nothing. You, you just woke up one morning and something was disturbing you. You're not saying because of how you are feeling that it's, 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 Dio does not love you. And the man was just reading his Bible and just doing some stuff. But, but because you did not feel excited, you said it's because Dio does not love you. Do you know that's how many of us be really with God? Because we are not happy, we say God is angry with us. Because you are not happy. You, 
you are the one who have issues. Like you did probably you didn't sleep properly. You didn't drink enough water, or you were late for work, or you insulted someone. You don't say God is angry with you because you are not feeling. You know it does not make sense. Amen. So I talked about this earlier on other Christians' negative experiences. Uh, please permit me. Let me move on. Uh, for the sake of uh, Nigel and Barbara, let me just quickly say a few things about it. I was saying to the people earlier on that um, the walk with God is personal. What becomes of you is a function of what you choose to believe. If you don't believe in God or if you don't trust God, okay, let me rephrase that. What becomes of you is what you choose to believe, whether negative or positive, whether godly or ungodly. We cannot know what other people believe and we should not be concerned about what other people believe. So if a person died of cancer or something or something, it should not bother us. We feel pity, but that should not scare us and think God would do, will harm us with cancer. Because we saw a Christian, something happened to them, and then we think, oh, if this could happen to this very serious Christian, how much more me? That's not true. Because somebody can look like a very serious Christian on the outward, on the exterior, but that doesn't mean they really trust God in their heart. So we should not use other people's experiences to judge God's kindness and love towards us. That's why I say, I say to all the time, it's not my business because I don't know what exactly they believed. Anybody can shout, can preach, can quote the Bible, but only God knows what exactly they believe in their heart. So I'd rather focus on what I want to believe, what I believe, sorry, I'd rather focus on believing the word of God as opposed to looking or judging my life by how other Christians are living their lives. I've been there. I've done, I did it for so many years. When the devil attacks a, a pastor who, dis, who, who did what it was not meant to do and, and suffered the consequence, so, and, and most of the time they are prominent preachers, I would then say, if this could happen to this man of God, how much more me who is not as spiritual? But I don't know where they cross the line. Doesn't make sense. And sign, the fact that signs of wonders have happened through them doesn't mean that they actually trust God. That's another topic for another day. Amen. Right, so let's carry on, guys. Uh, I want to quickly smash this. So I think I've, co- I've covered quite a few of those items. I talked about um, performance-based relationship, all still in religion. And um, if you're trying to relate with God based on your actions, what you do, what you don't do, it will breed fear in your heart. Right? It will produce condemnation. You know why? Because you can never do enough. You will always see somebody who can outperform you. And the more you see other Christians outperforming you, the more depressed you'll be. So your Christian life will be so hard and difficult because you can't meet up, you can't catch up. So I'll say to you that if your actions were not good or enough for God to save you, right, they cannot sustain your work with God. If your actions could not save you, they cannot sustain your relationship with God. Just choose to believe and do what you can do. God loves you regardless. Amen. I can try to say it creates anxiety. It wears people out. If a Christian is struggling with burnout, anxiety, depression, God is not doing harm to them. There's something not right in their heart. Right? Most of the time it's because they are trying to do. They are trying to Make God do this. They are trying to do this for God to accept them. And they are all lies. You can't do enough. You will get tired. 
Amen. You get, I can, don't forget I said earlier on, the Christian life can never, a successful Christian life cannot, can never be achieved with human strength. It can never happen. You, you, you wear out. Uh, but if you work with God on the basis of the fact that he loves you unconditionally, you know, take, this, take this home as an assignment. You know, spend more time thinking about how much he loves you and saying to yourself, regardless of what I do, God loves me. I am not my behavior. I am not my actions. You know, I am an object of his love, not object of my performance. Say that to yourself all the time and watch, and watch how your heart begins to warm up to God. Let me give you one secret here. If you try to, okay, if you want to be able to do as much as you would like to do for God, don't focus on your action. Build relationship with him. Build intimacy with him. And you realize that you will do by far much more than what you think you could do. Because the love of God in your heart will power you, will energize you. Condemnation saps your strength and energy, but love builds your heart. The same thing happens in relationship. If your spouse is always condemning you, saying you're not good for anything, it weakens you, it drains you mentally. But if your if your spouse loves you, I guess because I love my wife so much, that's why she's doing so much, right? So, but if your spouse loves you so much and creates an atmosphere for you to to cherish, I mean, to to flourish, you realize you do and you overdo. So, in God's kingdom. It is love that propels us, that gets us to do more than more. It, I do a lot, not, not because I want God to like me or not to, you know, not to be displeased with me. You should see how I prepare for my Sunday sermon sometimes. I start in the morning, I'm not getting it because I'm thinking of how to explain to people. I'll leave it, I'll go and do everything else I can do. I come back to it at night. Some people say, This guy is not serious, he's supposed to be there six hours. What, what for what? I do spend six hours sometimes if I want to really get things I want to study. But sometimes God wants to speak to the heart of the people. And my preparation sometimes stand in the way, we stand in the way. Because, he won't, because working with God is a heart thing, not a head thing. It's a heart connection thing, heart relationship thing. It's not a mental thing. The mental thing will wear you out. The human effort thing will wear you out. But a heart relationship will build you, will strengthen you, and drive you to go beyond the level, the limit you want to go. Amen. Does that bless someone? So when you see nasty, mean people, check their relationship with God. When you see nasty, mean Christians, no matter how spiritual they look or how you know, miracles and things happening through them, check their relationship with God. Because if your relationship with God is solid, out of the abundance of the love that you're taking from God in your intimacy with him, it will flow in your communication and relationship with other people. It's standard. If a Christian is mean, check their fellowship, relationship with God. Amen. Uh, so 1 John 4, 16 tells us there that perfect love casts out fear. Let me see what I've got with you for you guys again. So I've, I've covered this. God loves you unconditionally. God loves you while you were unlovable and will not love you less now that you're saved. People will say things like, you know what, um, now that you're saved because you've made a mistake, God is angry at you, but it doesn't make sense because if he loved you, the Bible tells us that now, 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 much more. Back in the days, he didn't love you guys at all. I mean, not that he didn't love you guys at all. Back then when you were unlovable, not that he doesn't love you, but your actions does not qualify you or your nature does not qualify you to be loved. But even in that, he loved you. And now that you're a child, he will not love you less. 
Amen. Praise God. So when people tell you that you need to pray and make a special sacrifice or you need to give a specific amount of money to the church for God to love you, they want to fraud you. They fraud you. Says come. Says come. So when you hear those kind of things on TV or televangelist, what should be ringing your mind is come a lot, 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 come, 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 come. You tell all your colleagues, say, don't give money to that ministry because it's just taking people's money. And that's the truth. Where is, who is, they don't spend dollars in heaven. Do you know why people give to this ministry, what we do? So that we can run this kind of conference, so that we can, we can give. Some giving we had to do doing this. Create every atmosphere we can create to help people come to know about the identity in Christ Jesus. Because it's not free. Everything, the food and everything is not free. So where does the money go to? It comes to doing the work. The money doesn't go to heaven. They don't spend dollars in heaven. So when people say you need to give to God so that God can, so that God can bless your soul, so that God can, do, it's a lie. Because the work, it, the money is going to the ministry to do the work of the ministry so that people can be blessed. Amen. God is, this is, this is drama class now. Drama class. God is saying to me, drama class, please put down camera, put down and recording that what I'm about to do is drama class. It's not, I'm not saying. So don't cut this part and um, because people are kind of funny when you share the kind of things on social media. So you hear things like, God said to them, this one is safer. There's somebody here. If you can, so now there's a problem going on in your life. And there's this, now today is Saturday 4th of June, right? What time is it? Four, five minutes to four. What a coincidence. <laughs> You've been there. <laughs> five minutes to four. On the 4th of June. $400 minus five. $355 seed for a breakthrough. I can hear, they, they can hear God. It's $355, not more, not less. It's only $355. 55. How many people are here to do that? And the God showed me 10 people. What 10 people? So they've done the math because they how much they didn't take home. <laughs> so 355 times 10, that's how much? 3,550. But if their bill is much higher than that, I say, so when they look at the audience, because they can't be stupid enough to say, you know what, um, you know, 100 people should do that. So they watch 1, 2, 3, 4, 7, 8, 7, 8, 7, 8, 7, come up with 80%. God showed me that there are 15 people here. We need to sow $355 seed, not more, not less. Come out, come out, come out, come out, and they start jumping out. So when they realize that a lot, of, a lot more come out than they anticipated, I said, God is saying he's having mercy on people who cannot on, um, afford $355. So he's saying $255, $255. <laughs> I see people coming out. And if you cannot do 255, ha, ha, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is, somebody say God is so good. God is so good. So he said 155. They have that. They're doing the math. 155. Mm. 
God said he knows that some of you are students and you will not be able to afford this. So 55. It's calm. Serious calm. And, and the ushers are going to pass the basket around because God does not want to leave the rest of you guys helpless. So the ushers will pass the basket around and just put there. Yes. As the Lord. But it has to always end in five. Scam. Lies. Deception. But they need, to, they need the money to fund some more kind of ridiculous project that can kind of covetousness. You want to hear the truth? If they come to a church to do that for you, just watch. They are ready to take their court. It's a business then. It's come. Just come and say, you know what, we, are, we, we, are, we want to do this project. Whatever you guys can give, give. That's it. That's it. If God did not send you, don't do it. Friends, I'll be honest with you. If I cannot afford this conference, I wouldn't do it. By God's will, by God's help, I have the money to do this. That's why I'm doing it. I will not go and take a big haul somewhere. If I, if I can't pay for it, I will not do it. If my tithe cannot pay for the church facility we just rented, I will not going to hire it. Praise God. All right, so uh, please don't allow false teachers and all kind of people to say all kind of stuff to you about that. Let's say that what we got, um, key actions, know God spiritually, you know, be born again, know God as described by Jesus, not what you think people tell you about him, know God yourself, that's the summary of all of that. Know God as your father. First John 3, 1, let's go there. First John 3, 1, then we shut down on this one. First John 3, 1. Then we go on a short break, two hours to go, wow, we're... Time is flying, man. First John 3, 1. I read New King James Version. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us. Hey! The world does not know us because it did not know him. If the, a person who did not know Christ cannot know you. So what manner of Lord the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called a child of God? I am a child of God. Say I am a child of God. I am a child of God. So having said all of this, you know, we've done a lot of time, spent a lot of time trying to explain to you guys to understand that you are fundamentally a spirit, Right? So please, regardless of what you feel, hold on to that truth that you are a child of God. He loves you unconditionally. Just hold on to it and you see things change. That's how things work in the realm of the spirit. Spiritually, we believe first, then we see. Don't try to feel before you believe. You believe, then you see. That's what it means walking by faith. Right? You believe, then you see the result. Believed you are well, believed you are healed, believed you are blessed, then you will see the result. Amen. Uh, so I think I'm going to give you guys uh, five minutes that now. Uh, let me see what I got there. So, you know, so intimacy with God is a powerful weapon in our lives to live a fulfilling Christian life. And the devil will never want you to have it. 
it will never want you to have it because it is in walking in the reality, the realization that you're a child of God. <laughs> it's walking in that reality. It is walking in it that you can overcome many orders and issues in life. I'm telling you the truth. When your knowledge comes from within that God's God, my back is for me, is not against me. Amen. So God loves you. I covered a few of this ones and... Um, uh, so I've, I said this earlier, on God's nature is love and your actions cannot change him. So we are supposed to actually be going to lunch at this time. <laughs> All right, guys, take five minutes break and let's come back. Uh, so we're going to speed up on the other areas. We might have to skip the break. I, but I think I, I might do the breakout session towards the end of the day. Right, so I want to cover a few things uh, so that I can let the singles go. Uh, let me, I'll think about it. So let's go for it. So the lunch is not half an hour. Okay, <laughs> it's with, right. You get the gist, right? So, guys, let's let's let, let's have a five, five minutes break, and we could run through the next session. Five minutes. So, this is um, f this is four o'clock. So, we we'll come by four or five. <laughs>